Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. I'm Tina Hollenbeck, and my friend and colleague Jenny Tetzner and I know that one of the main concerns parents have as they consider taking the leap into homeschooling is whether or not they can afford to do so. So we've asked Jenny's husband, Joel, to join us today and grab that financial bowl right by the horns. Thank you very much for being here, Joel. Can you start out by summarizing your qualifications in regards to financial matters? Yes, I can. And hello, everybody. Welcome to the topic nobody likes to talk about, finances. (laughs) (laughs) But it is an important topic that we should discuss, especially as homeschool families. And yeah, my qualifications, I have been coaching families in financial matters for well over a decade now. Uh, It started out through... Crown Financial Ministries, and then we moved into the Dave Ramsey program, where I've been coordinating Financial Peace University for a little over a decade now. So I have worked with hundreds and hundreds of families throughout the years, uh, getting them in a place financially where it's more comfortable for them, based on what their family's goals and and needs are. Uh, We personalize every single approach when we work with an individual family. Uh, It's not a cookie cutter concept. And we work it so it's, it works best for each family. All right. Very good. You know what you're doing. I've been around the block, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> worked with the good and worked with the bad. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what I'd like to offer our homeschool audience today is just a little conversation between me, Jenny, and Tina, as we just discuss not only some tips and tricks, you know, that the homeschool families could find beneficial, but we're going to share our own stories a little bit. How did we get here? Where did this all start from? Why are we talking about this today? <laughs> so, Jenny. Hi, babe. Babe. <laughs> yes, you do have to chime in now. And yep, then. We, have that, we have that conversation <laughs> all the time. You know, when you're called by your first name, something's wrong. Yeah. Your name's not Joel. Yeah, it's never Joel and Jenny. It's just it's babe. babe. Babe for both of us. <laughs> babe for the whole family. Right. So back in the way back machine, jump into the, the DeLorean with us. And we're going to go back to about 2003. Madeline was just born, our second child. We had experienced situations with both children when they were born. They both came a month early. Uh, With that, Jenny was working and I was working. Jenny had to stop working because of the necessity to kind of just take it easy and be on bed rest for the month before the birth of each of our children, Mm. which meant our incomes dropped. We had health insurance uh, coverage issues where we had to pay out of pocket for COBRA, Mm. all kinds of things. So long story short, by the time our second child was born, we were basically deeply in debt, right? Both kids had to be on special formula that cost about $50 Mm. a day. It's terrible. That had to be special ordered. You couldn't just find it at the pick and save. Yep. And had to be delivered to our house. Exactly. So. We were dealing you know, with the costs of two children. We're dealing with the fact that we're now on one income. We're dealing with the fact that there is a lot of credit card debt at this point. 
And about 2003, uh, the reality hit us where the credit card debt was around $65,000. And because of Jenny being home, (laughs) because of Jenny being home with our two little ones, my income for the family at that time was roughly about $35,000 per year. Mm. So that's not a lot to bring home when you have a young family and then you're dealing with all the debt. So what was your experience during that time, babe? (laughs) I'll tell you what. The experience was fear. Right. I think. I mean, fear because you, you know, you want to live this life of being able to just buy the things that you need without thinking, oh gosh. And not that we were big buyers of anything. You have two little kids. There are things. But it would be, I remember like going to Shopko and seeing these little outfits that I wanted to get Madeline. And maybe in the beginning, I didn't even know we were that much in debt. Mm. I would, I would actually say I probably didn't know how deep in debt we were, but I would say to Joel, you know, I would be at Shopko and I'd say, babe, do you think, you know, can I get this little outfit? And he would be like, no. And I would be thinking, well, it's only like $10 or I'm in at Shopko, you guys. So <laughs> it's only $25. And when he said we're watching every single penny that comes in, mm-hmm. wasn't even kidding. Wow. It was a learning experience for sure. Yeah. So after 2003, we we're at the point where we can no longer even make the minimum payments as well as a mortgage and putting food in our, in our mouths and, and clothing our children. So we had to make a decision. We had to make the tough decision and say, are we going to plead bankruptcy? Are we mm-hmm. going to what can we do? Mm-hmm. At that point in our life, we had to plead bankruptcy. We had to literally wipe the slate clean. Yeah. And if you don't know what happens after a bankruptcy, it's not fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> not fun. And, but can I just say too that it was almost like at that, because at that point you're living with so much stress, mm-hmm. there's no way to dig yourself out. There's, there's just nothing to do that. The idea of bankruptcy at that point for us was like surrender in a sense, like, okay, there's nothing more we can do. Like we just, we're going to go bankrupt, Wow, you know, and, and it's not a proud moment in life. Oh no. It's definitely. Did you lose your house as well? Or no. What happens when you file bankruptcy? When you file bankruptcy, there's certain debts that can be uh, basically absolved at that point. And it was credit card debts. Uh, we had to give uh, a car back that we had a lease on, I believe it at the time, but we could retain our house and pretty much about it. So in effect, it was a clean slate, but even our clean slate was too hard to live with mm-hmm. because our income was, again, just one person making about $35,000 a year and supporting a family of four with two young kids with some special dietary needs. Yeah. And I just want to say something about the dietary needs real quick, because I feel like there will be a listener out there, guys. Like, why did you not (laughs) breastfeed? Oh, my goodness. I I have a story about that, too, but that's not relevant. And so I'm just going to cover my my tracks for that, because I wish you're right. I should have. Absolutely. I should have breastfed because if they had dietary needs, that would have took care of the problem. But I didn't jump onto that train until it was a bit late for me to breastfeed. So then I tried to uh, I tried to At the very end, like, okay, well, we're going to try this, but nope, it was just a little bit too late. And so I wasn't 
producing enough milk to feed the family. Let's and honestly, I mean, if you're listening now and you have little children, our kids yeah. are 18, 19, and 20. Yes, many, many people breastfed at that time. Mm-hmm. It was not the common thing it that was it is not today. Common. Yeah. And if you said no to formula when you were in the hospital and they gave it to you, yep. you know, when you're a young mom, you're just like, okay, fine, oh, yeah. whatever you say. So don't judge us. Yep. We did the best we could by our kids Amen. at the time. So I tried to squeeze that right then and there, like, come on, we can't afford this formula that's coming to our front door anymore. So what the ladies are saying is they are not anti-boobers. I would have been. Yep, that's right. I would have been. But back to the story. Yeah, back to the story. Joel's not here to talk breastfeeding. I mean, what? We're not talking about boobs. But that is part of our story, so that's why I had to say it. So we're back to the point where even though we have a clean slate, we still cannot financially manage our life at all. Uh, We were going to a church at the time, and there were some friends there that knew about our struggles. And our struggles at that time was I would work, I would come home to pay the bills. Our mortgage payment, just the mortgage payment, took up 50% of our take-home income. Which meant if you're paid twice a month, Mm. one entire paycheck, pays your mortgage and you have to feed your family, pay the utilities and provide for everything else in life on one paycheck a month. So we did experience times where after all the bills were paid, we literally had $50 to our name to feed our kids for two weeks till the next check shows up. So it was not an easy time at all. There were times when we had to debate are we going to go to church this Sunday because of the gas cost to get there? So a family at our church saw our, our situation and the family came across this very small inheritance and they decided that they were going to spend $100 of their inheritance and enroll us into financial peace with Dave Ramsey. Wow. And that's where God's providence just literally changed our lives. Mm. So by going through that class, I learned everything about finances that I've never learned before, that I should have learned in school, that I should have <laughs> learned by my family, and it changed everything. Uh, we learned about you know how to live without credit cards. We learned about savings. We learned about the emergency fund, and it was a radical change from what I had been brought up with in life. Mm-hmm. I was I was raised with the family where the day I you know decided to go to college, I was handed a credit card. Mm-hmm. You know, use this for whatever expenses you come across, but don't go overboard. Yeah, you know. So by learning the Dave Ramsey philosophies and the baby steps that Dave Ramsey teaches, our life changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. We started saving. We started living without debt, and. By living a lifestyle without those things, we now could breathe a little bit easier. Every dollar had a name. It was assigned a purpose, whether it was food, gasoline, mortgage, whatever the case might be. And we persevered. Mm. So at that point, I decided it's up to me to take this experience that we went through and share it with as many people as I can. I was basically paying it forward. And so I got very involved in all the financial ministries that I could possibly get involved with in our community. Started with Crown Financial, 
Crown Financial is a great organization where it takes a strong biblical look at what God says in his word about money and finances. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I learned through that, that ministry was how important God places money and finances in his word. Uh, the leaders of Crown Financial Ministry actually went through the entire Bible and they found over 2,500 different verses that deals with the facts of between money and finances and living a financial life in God's intent. Wow. So when you have that many verses mm -hmm. that deals something. with that, <laughs> God's like, pay attention, I'm talking to you. That's true. Right? So that's where the ball started. So then we just started working with families. We started coaching families through their issues. And here we are today. Ah. Just like that. Exactly. So what are some of the habits that you learned along the way? Mm -hmm. The habits that I learned that I want to share with you guys in regards to your money and finances, because what we learn through these ministries is that there seems to be a commonality, a common theme that runs through families' financial dynamics. And the first habit that I want to really ingrain in families that Jenny and I did not have when we started this, this journey was complete communication and transparency. Mm. Yeah. Habit number one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? So there was a day when, I, in, when Jenny learned that she was $65,000 in debt. Yeah. She didn't know. No, she didn't I had know. I no idea. I knew that we were not doing well financially, mm -hmm. but I don't even think in my mind, like I didn't, that's all that period. That's, that's all I knew. Okay. And for Joel to have to break down and tell me that as the man of the house and as the husband who wants to provide for his family. And I think there was a part of just a failure feeling, even though mm -hmm. you weren't failing. I mean, I was failing as well. My aunt gave me a credit card in the beginning, not my parents, but my aunt, she didn't have children. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, she was kind of always that figure as well, but she gave me this credit card at Kohl's for an emergency. Okay. <laughs> well, the only emergency at Kohl's is I'm going to need these pair of jeans stat immediately today. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so my whole mind of, I wasn't mm -hmm. even to the point where I would, you know, really care about finances or anything. I mean, it's just, I didn't even, wasn't right. even a thing. So yeah. So. Yeah. So what we've, what we find through these ministries is that a family where there's, you know, a husband and a wife, there's a strong chance that one of the spouses is in charge of all the finances. It's one person paying the bills, knowing what's going on in the checking account. And the other one is completely oblivious. Mm -hmm. They're told how much they can spend and they stay within those parameters. And that's the extent of their financial communication in their family. And that was the first thing that we had to change immediately is what Jenny knows and doesn't know in terms of our finances. So Jenny, in, in our family, Jenny is not the one to want to pay the bills mm. and not the one to want <laughs> to make sure all the accounts are in order. But she does need to know everything that's happening in there. You know, in the event that I get hit by a bus, Jenny needs to know. Yeah, tell them what you created, babe, just in case something should happen. What was that, you know, that thing mm. that you created where I just click this and right. information's all right there. And 
so that one, you would have it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So one I, thing, if you're if you're a follower of Dave Ramsey, is he talks about a legacy box. We don't have a physical box. Dave does, but we do not. <laughs> but the concept is is that you have everything in one place in the event that heaven forbid something happens and you are taken back to God and you have a surviving spouse that needs to carry on without you. And homeschool. Right. Well, that too. My husband was going to get a mail order bride. Something happened to me. He was you know, going to look up some, <laughs> somebody in Russia and just say, come on over. <laughs> you are replaced. That's right. No, but the legacy box concept is basically having whether it's a filing cabinet, whether it's a specific folder on your computer, something that says these are all the accounts, mm -hmm. these are all the passwords to get into the accounts, these are all the people you need to talk to, this is the life insurance, this is the utility bill, this is whatever. It's all there. Yeah, right. and we even showed Noah right. as well, just in case, you know, mm -hmm. just so Noah would know Noah is our 20-year-old. Yep. Yeah, that's very wise. And we have something like that, too. It's a folder on a certain place in my desk because I'm the one who does the checkbook, you know, paying the bills kind of thing. But yeah, all the account information has to be there. Exactly. So, yep. Yeah. And when it comes to even communication, we also find I do a, a, an activity on the very first day of, of financial peace where I just go around the room and I just say, without telling me, just show me by a show of hands. Do you know down to the penny what is in your checking account right now? Mm. And most hands do not go up. Mm. Mm -mm. Or you get the occasional person that says, zero. Yeah. <laughs> let's, got talk, nothing. let's talk about the credit. I'm excited about this whole idea, this concept of the credit card thing and how we cut that. Credit cards are bad, you guys. Okay. And that's just the bottom line. I don't care if you agree. It's true. At well, the end of the day, and it is true. a tricky thing in some ways because even people who know that and want to be responsible, yeah. there's this whole thing called a credit rating. And yep. if you want to buy a house and things like that, people think, well, if I have a credit card and I pay it off all the time and yeah. all of that, that's how you build a credit rating. So that's a common threat, yes. right? That whole paying off because that mm -hmm. is exactly, even when you go, like, let's say you go to, I'll use Kohl's again, right? You go to Kohl's. Now, fast forward time, we've lived this lesson. We went bankrupt, learned tons of stuff changing on the inside to the outside. So going through the Kohl's line now, they'll say, you know, are you going to put this on your Kohl's charge? Yeah. No, we're not. They can't buy that. They, they don't want that answer. Okay. Yeah. No, actually, we're going to pay for this with cash because we have cash to pay for the stuff. So we don't right. need to charge anything. There would be, it's, well, you can pay that off right here, right now. It's no big right. deal. And oh, you yeah. say, you're going to pass up a 30% yeah. discount. Exactly. And people get sucked into that lie. Right. The thing is, if you have money, you buy stuff. If you don't have any money, you shouldn't be in Kohl's at the checkout exactly. if you need to charge it. That, exactly. That's the reality. So I would yeah. always, you know, feeling so strong only because I've been through, I've been yeah. down the track. We don't, we don't talk about this because we think we're all that. No, we right. went bankrupt. So now when I'm through, no, thank you. Actually, no. And they'll keep pushing it. Yeah. You know, no, we don't, we don't believe in credit cards. That is unheard of. Oh yeah. But what about building a credit rating then? Because I mean, who can actually afford to buy a house outright? I don't know. <laughs> Correct. When it comes to a credit rating, basically what you're doing is you're creating what Dave Ramsey even calls an I love debt score, <laughs> right? It just says, what is your worthiness to carry debt? Okay. okay. So the question is, is how can I have a good FICO score without having a credit card? 
anytime you get any kind of a loan, whether it's a mortgage or a car payment, that actually builds into your FICO score. So do you need a credit card? Well, we're perfect examples of we haven't had a credit card for 20 odd years, yet we're still living and, and breathing and doing things. Mm-hmm. We're living in a house yeah. with a mortgage and we're surviving. When it comes to a credit score, it doesn't have to be built with an actual credit card. Wow. Okay. The other aspect is, is even when you need to get those big ticket items, such as a mortgage. Right. It's very difficult for any family, no matter what your wealth status, to pay 100% cash. So you do have to finance it somehow. That's where you do a little bit of homework. You know, just like some of you families might be in the process of looking for scholarships or grants for your college-bound kids. It's kind of the same thing with looking at mortgages is finding programs that don't necessarily deal so much with a FICO score versus your ability to repay. Okay. You know, you might have better luck working with credit unions than working with mm-hmm. banks. Mm-hmm. You might do a little bit better with more of a hard money lending kind of situation where they're actually going to place more emphasis on your work history than actually your credit score. So there are different programs out there. Uh, getting involved with an actual mortgage broker that has hundreds and hundreds of different programs under their toolbox to draw from versus saying going to a bank like a Wells Fargo, where they only have one program, (laughs) you might find a lot of different options for whatever your situation is. So it's the idea of thinking outside the box, being a little countercultural, maybe a lot countercultural, right? Which if you're a homeschooling family or want to be, that's kind of where your brain is hopefully anyway, right? The name (laughs) of the game. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and since we're talking about credit cards and, and carrying debt, that's you know, the other habit I really want to instill in everybody is get to the point where debt is not a part of your household anymore. You know, working in a way where you don't rely on that credit card. And yes, for some of you, it might be a radical change in how you do things. I've experienced people that were adamant about maintaining that credit card because it was a security blanket. Yeah, really you is. Know. I had one woman who just would not give up that credit card because she actually experienced a situation where her husband had health issues where he could no longer provide for the family. And that was her only option, Mm -hmm. that credit card. Mm -hmm. And that's where I had to come back with them and say, how about we get you to the point where you have saved enough money that matches the balance you would normally carry on a credit card Mm -hmm. So now you have basically your own credit card in a bank account that you can draw from that isn't tied to any interest mm-hmm. and it's your money. Yeah, because babe, what happened is even with us, this was, you know, how did we get so in debt? I mean, well, irresponsibility, but also we were paying our hospital bills, right? Mm-hmm. From when the pregnancies the and everything, kids, yeah. yeah, charging it. Mm-hmm. How ridiculous is that? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I would say, you know, we're indoctrinated to do that. It just yeah. seems natural, actually. I thought I've got to pay right. this off, so yeah. this is what I'm going to do, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I've worked with people who they are adamant that we pay this off every single month. And I look them square in the face and I say, you're lying to me right now. <laughs> you do not pay that off every single month. Yeah. You might have a long period of time 
where yes, you pay it off every month, but there is something there. There was that Christmas, there was that vacation, there was something where you just couldn't pay it off every single month. And we can back that up with the statistics in our country that shows how much people are in debt. Unless you're my mom and dad. But that, that mm-hmm. is few, and, and, the, and even that generational thing. Mm-hmm. Because I know my mom and dad, they do, they do pay it. When they say they pay it off, they pay it off. They're good mm-hmm. stewards of their money. But the majority of people, there is no way. But it's a likely statement that everybody says. Well, that's why Cole says it, right? <laughs> and, and I love Cole's. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that that is what they say at the checkout all the mm-hmm. time, no matter where you go. Can you survive without a credit card in today's world? Yes. How do you survive without a credit card? Save money. <laughs> You've got the debit card, and yeah. which literally <laughs> means pay with cash, yeah. right? So today's debit cards act very much like a credit card. I hear myths about, well, I use a credit card because it offers more protection in the event of fraud or identity theft, mm-hmm. okay? Well, if you have a debit card that was given to you by a bank, and that debit card has either MasterCard or Visa logo on that debit card, you are actually now doubly protected in the event of fraud or identity theft because now you have the FDIC insurance that your bank carries on your accounts as well as the insurance MasterCard or Visa will provide for you. So we've actually experienced a couple times where we've had our accounts hacked. One was mm. through Amazon. That yeah. happened to me a couple times. Yeah. Yes. Where we're finding there's some charges here that mm-hmm. are not supposed to be here. And we immediately just called our bank and the bank said, take care of it. We're going to charge back the money that was taken from you. And we're going to do everything necessary to stop your accounts and give you new debit cards. And this is not going to affect you anymore. Versus if you go to a credit card company, there's a good chance that it might take a while Mm -hmm. for that to be reversed. Mm. You know, if it does get reversed, because there usually is an investigation of some sort and it's a big rigmarole. Mm -hmm. What can you buy with a debit card? Everything. Anything you could buy with a credit card, correct? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. The only area that we've ever come across in life, which was a little glitchy, was renting a vehicle. So if you go to like an enterprise or budget car rental situation, they would prefer that you use a credit card uh, because it's easier to apparently track you if you decide not to return the car, <laughs> right? But we've had situations where they said, if you just show us proof of say like your airline itinerary that says you're actually coming back to this city mm-hmm. and you're going to be returning this, or if you show us a utility bill with your address on it, you're just fine. Okay. So Mm. that's about it with Mm. with credit and debit cards. What about the homeschooling issues? Yeah, let's hone in on that. Mm -hmm. Financial stuff that's specific to homeschool families. Well, you guys work with homeschool families. What issues have you seen come across your desks? Well, I I think that, and especially now with Mm -hmm. the schools being, you know, shutting down, going back on the mask, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who are scrambling and, you know, both parents worked. Mm -hmm. So they want to homeschool. But they feel that they can't because it's just going to be a one income family or maybe even it it is just a a one income family to begin with. I think those are two different issues. You know, I mean, there's there's families who 
are two income. They love the lifestyle they have with two incomes and they cannot fathom giving up the things they think they have to give up with two incomes. And then I think a separate issue, maybe more complicated, is the truly we are, it's a single parent Mm -hmm. and they have one income and that is, but they still want to homeschool. Yes. Mm -hmm. So what about those two specific things, Joel? Yeah. Well, let's focus on the one income family, whether it's just one spouse working or you're a single parent. Mm -hmm. At some point, money has to become available that provides for your needs, right? So in that situation, it's very imperative that you are on top of all aspects of your your finances. And that would be your income and your expenses, okay? It's a nice balance that you have to maintain in regards to both. Your expenses cannot exceed your income and your income cannot go below your expenses or you're going to have a problem. We also have to look at your lifestyle choices. Mm. If you are going to move into a neighborhood because it's a safer community, it's closer to hospitals and, and work, whatever that case might be, and it's a little bit higher cost, then we have to take the bull by the horns and say, how are we going to change your income status to afford the lifestyle that you want? Mm-hmm. How are we going to change your expenses to live the lifestyle mm-hmm. that you want? And getting that into play is what's very important. When, when Jenny and I were going through our situation, we had gotten to the point where we're not out of debt. I'm working a full-time job for a company and our income was not cutting it at all. Uh, the, the, conversation about homeschooling our kids was set in front of us and we're just like how are we going to make this work Mm -hmm. because jenny's income is no longer an option because she's not going to be working so i have to decide then and there what are we going to do to make our homeschooling family thrive okay so i had to play out my options i had to say do i get a different job that brings in more money Mm -hmm. that's one option Mm -hmm. Do I do something in my field uh, or do I learn a completely new trade? That's another option. What I chose and what was our only option at that time was I'm going to go into business for myself. Hmm. And (laughs) why did I choose that option? I'm thinking, how did that make you more money because your guaranteed income from your employer was gone? Yeah. What a risky time in our life, babe. Uh But hey, nope. God led us in that direction. That's right. So let's talk about risk. Yeah, wait, I have to say, I just (laughs) have to say this. So after you explain that, could you tell that story that you told Mm -hmm. to us that, because that fits in really well. Definitely. The horse family story. Yeah, the horse family story. Absolutely. So why did I start a business? Let's start there. It, for our family, was the only option. I could get a job, but any job that I could have gotten would not provide sufficient income for the needs and lifestyle that we want. We don't live high on the hog. We're not highfalutin. But one of our biggest issues was health insurance, mm-hmm. right? Yep. If I'm not going to yeah. get health insurance for my employer, which the employer I was working with at the time did not even provide it, mm. hence our medical debt. <laughs> <laughs> I had to find a situation where health insurance could either be provided or I could afford to pay for it full out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So after all roads were considered, the only option we had was going to business for myself. Mm. Okay. So I decided then and there that 
this is what's going to happen and we're going to make this work. So I had a license at that point as a real estate appraiser. And it was then that I decided I'm going to just throw out my own shingle and see what happened. And God blessed it. And when I'd made that decision, it was in 2008, September 2008. For you history buffs, that was <laughs> when the market crashed. Yep. And the housing market went kablooey. People were losing their jobs. Industries were folding. And I thought, I will never appraise another house again. What did I get myself into? Okay. So not only did I have to start a business, I had to start a business that pivoted my current skill set. Okay. So instead of appraising for new home purchases and refinances, now I'm in the business of appraising for foreclosure properties. Wow. And when I did that, the phone started ringing, the emails started coming in and we looked, Jenny and I looked at each other and I opened the business in September of 2008. And I said, once I replicate my current income, which was $35,000 a year, <laughs> we'll make the decision to quit the job altogether and go full-time into this business. Yeah. So I gave myself a runway where I would literally do both. Yeah. Oh. Work my full-time job and then come home and try to make this business work. Yeah, wow. wait, stop. Because this yeah. is an important part is we, the whole time prior to this, uh, mm-hmm. Joel had this little cute spiral notebook that he used to write down all these business ideas that he mm-hmm. had for starting this thing. Mm-hmm. And he would just, you know, every time something came to his head, he would write, kept all his ideas in this little notebook. And I was, you know, constantly like, oh, you can do this. You know what? It's just, you think it's going to be like jumping off this mountain, but it's really just like jumping off the front porch. God has you. (laughs) This is great. I'm praying for you. It's going to be good. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. And one night we were, went out to eat and we were sitting there talking about all this. And then Joel said, well, quit my job. And I was like, what? You quit your job. Oh my gosh. And so, but it was funny because I was such, you know, I had such strong faith about it and everything else. And then when that reality hit, okay, that's it. So here we are. Let's pray the business goes well. And and it did, but yeah. Was the idea behind, I'm going to start my own business because you're not at the mercy of somebody else choosing an income for you that the thought that I can work as hard as I want to work to earn what I need to earn. That was a, a, probably the main, the biggest factor mm-hmm. in why we did it because I had experienced, I was what you called a very disgruntled employee <laughs> when I w- was working for True. a company. You know, we weren't receiving any type of benefits at all. Vacation was kind of a situation that was stated that, yes, you'll get it, but once you start working here, you'll never see it yeah. um, because we're going to keep you so busy that it's impossible for you to do that. And at one point during my working career with this company, I actually did quit. And because I was completely fed up, there was a lot of distrust and animosity at the point, but I had to go back with my tail between my legs because I have a family to, to, to care for. Right. And I told myself, I will never put myself in that situation again, where I'm reliant on an employer. Yeah. You know, so when we started the business, that was it. I said, I will never have a nine to five again. I will always provide for our, our family, no matter what the industry or job I choose to, to make this business, 
whether I'm appraising houses or cutting grass or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Okay. It doesn't matter. I'll make it work. And that's what we did. So within, within six months of starting the business, the income was replicated and surpassed. And we said, we're pulling the plug on the nine to five. And we just went forward and God blessed that business the whole time, which would not have received the blessings it did if we did not follow the steps of getting our financial house in order first. Mm-hmm. You know, we had the golden handcuffs. We cannot quit this job. Yes. What are we going to do for money? We, right. what are we, how are we going to pay in the credit card bills? That's what we <laughs> defined as the golden handcuffs. Your, yeah. your life can't change because you are so literally tied into your debt and tied into yeah. your lifestyle. Yeah. It, it's really a way of thinking, isn't it? You have mm-hmm. to change your mindset. And like everything else that Tina and I are constantly talking about, it is indoctrination. Mm-hmm. It's what we believe. It's far away from the truth, just like so many truths. It's, it's you have to flip it backwards. I, I'm thinking about the families, and I've talked to a lot of these families where the, the wife will tell me that she really wants to homeschool, but the husband insists that she keep a job because Aww. he doesn't want it all on him. Um, yes. They have this lifestyle, X, Y, Z. What such- is it, Joel, that, that drove you to say, I'm not going to require Jenny to have an outside the home job? Or, and what advice do we give to those women in particular? And what do we say to the men? Yeah, the men who are terrified and indoctrinated. Right. Right. And that's where we have to literally go the unconventional route. When we decide to, to start a homeschool family, we're literally making the decision to go unconventional. Yep. Right? Yeah. We're not going to public schools. We're not going to follow certain regimens that we learned in the public school system. We aren't going to have seven periods and two recesses in our homeschool (laughs) life. None of that is going to follow suit as society thinks it should. And that follows through with how you're going to bring income into your home. So with us, I knew the importance that having our children home with Jenny was. And that was more important than what I wanted to do professionally. Okay. If I had my ways and I told Jenny, if I was on the course that I started out in Mm -hmm. back in college and everything else, I would probably be a nurse or something right now, Hmm. you know, but life does things. God does things where experiences open new doors. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And at that point in my life, my priority was two kids and my wife. I walked in, the door opened and here I came. Right. <laughs> right. Because yeah. actually we did meet in the medical field. Mm-hmm. That's we where did. We met. Right. So I had to make a decision as the husband and provider. I said, you know, I can follow my dreams, whatever my dreams are. And if your dream is husbands, if your dream is tied to your job, mm-hmm. then we have to talk because your <laughs> dreams are not truly dreams. But not anyway, dreams. how you provide an income should not be tied to your self-worth. It should not be tied to how you present yourself in society. And that's, that's how we focused on, on our life. Tell the, the uh, I keep wanting to say elephant story, but nope, it's the horse, <laughs> the horse story. Okay, if they had an elephant, that would have been a whole uh, different really thing. That really would have been well, a different Well, let's thing. insert an elephant just <laughs> yeah. for funsies, okay? Listen to this story, you guys. This story says it all because you might be thinking, how in the world, this all goes back to what Tina was talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And what, about this one income family right. and how you can make yeah. it happen. because. You guys do not need to believe this lie that because you're a one income family, 
that you can't survive. It's not true at all, but listen to this story. Right. This is an example of weighing out your expenses versus your income. So when I was doing the financial coaching, a family came in and it was a young husband and a wife. They had uh, one child who was preschool uh, daughter and the daughter uh, had not major medical needs, but she had medical needs that required some expensive medication every month. This family lived in a rural town about 30 miles away from the city that, that we live in now, the city that they work, I should say. So they had to commute 30 miles every day just to get to work. He worked a factory job and she was, I believe, an instructor at the local cosmetology college. And they came to me because they said, after all of our bills are paid, we are $1,500 short every single month. So if you can, some of you probably can relate relate to that mm-hmm. or maybe even worse. But it was a running joke in our sessions where we said, we have to find you $1,500 a month just to get to broke, Yeah, right? Just to get to zero. So they laid out their expenses for me and they showed me their incomes from their jobs. They showed me their expenses. One of their expenses was an elephant. (laughs) It was really a horse, you guys, but we're inserting the word elephant because it's a better story that way. Exactly. So their elephant had elephant needs and elephant food and, and everything associated with the elephant. Their preschool child had to have daycare. Uh, while the parents were at work. They had two vehicles, uh, one for each of them, so that they could commute back and forth to their their prospective jobs. So I took this example of this family and I presented it to my financial peace class. And I said, how would you guys (laughs) coach this family in terms of getting out of their $1,500 a month hole? And we had all kinds of answers throw out. Wait, stop. Mm -hmm. Let's do a dramatic pause. Ask our listeners, how would they coach this family? Okay, tell them, babe. Get rid of the elephant is what most people said, I bet. Get rid of the elephant. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, There were all kinds of recipes for elephant stew. There was all (laughs) kinds of things that you could do with a horse. And basically, it was get rid of the the family pet. Yeah, because they really did have a horse. It was a real horse. It it was a real horse. And so you can imagine... There were a lot of horse dreams and horse mm-hmm. love. and But horses are very expensive. Yeah, they right, are so. very expensive. Right. But working with this family, the horse slash elephant was a non-negotiable. Mm. That was not going to be touched. It was a part of their life and it was had a lot of sentimental value. Right. And their little girl was raised with this yeah. horse and it was a non-negotiable. Yep. So when you're working with a family who's got financial needs, I can sit there and tell them, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to you do need to every- get rid of your horse. Yes. No. But that's not how I work. You know, I'm going to look at your lifestyle. I'm going to look at what's important to you as a family. And we're going to figure out how to make the important stuff work for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So looking at everything, we decided that we're going to flip the script and we're mm-hmm. going to go unconventional and we're going to say, Mama comes home. That means mom needs to quit her job and come home. How come? So by mama quitting her job, they no longer had two cars. They just had one. 
Uh, their daughter no longer needed expensive child care throughout the day. They could start their homeschooling journey. She was able to continue her cosmetology uh, practice, so to speak, by actually doing hair in her local community mm-hmm. versus teaching it in the, the cosmetology college. So she was bringing home not as much income, but enough to supplement their husband's income from the factory. So all of a sudden, by quitting a job, their expenses now dropped dramatically in comparison to their income. Mm -hmm. And they were actually out of their $1,500 a month hole with one one resignation letter. Wow. That's yeah. so the opposite way of life, isn't it? Yeah. It, it seems counterintuitive, but this is a real family. This yeah. really happened. This and I'm sure family. it's not the only one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's the importance of really dialing in yeah. your expenses versus your income. Okay. So the next question that would come up is, but if her passion is to yeah. be an instructor oh, yes. and her goals and her dreams and, you know, Maybe God placed her in this profession. Yes, that is, that is an issue that everyone faces. But then we have to really dial in as what does God really, yeah. honestly, say your life's purpose yeah. is? Right? Yes. Nowhere in the Bible does God say you will be a plumber. <laughs> right? Yeah. The only job that God ever told anybody was you will be fishers of men. Yeah. Okay. So if it's not important to God for what you do, why should it be important to you for what you do? Yeah. Okay. And especially when it, when it comes down to what are you leaving yeah. and, you know, what are you gaining? Mm-hmm. You're, what are you giving up? What are you gaining? What is she giving up and yeah. gaining? Yeah. I was guilt tripped when I left my job. So I, we were a two income family until our older daughter was born, knowing that I would resign. I was a public school teacher, knowing I would resign as soon as she was born. Or by the end of that school year, she was born in May. I resigned at the end of June because I'm like, I've worked here nine years. They're paying for this baby. But after that, (laughs) we knew I'd be resigning. Um, I was guilt tripped by so many of my colleagues and other people. But you're so good at this. You're really good at helping these kids and blessing these kids. You know, I got the Christian words too. Mm -hmm. And by God's grace, I mean, I just knew it made no sense to me that I would bless other people's children, which is not a bad thing. But then leave my children where? Yes. Doing what? Yes. You know, you see, okay, the Bible says be fishers of men. Our children don't come out of the womb saved. That's right. right? So my first responsibility I felt like was to make sure that they know and love the Lord. But also it just seems backwards to put other people's kids before your own. And so I I couldn't justify it, but I was guilt tripped like crazy. That was me too. Yeah. Because I actually left teaching Montessori, which I loved. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved. But I, I came to that too, Tina. And, mm-hmm. you know, for, I remember it just like, wait, why am I, mm-hmm. you know, spending time with other people's children all day long, which I loved and I enjoyed, mm-hmm. but sending my own children off to somebody else. It just didn't make sense to me. It makes sense. And we lost more than half of our income when I quit because yeah. I was a public school teacher. So right. they actually make a lot yeah. of money and the benefits are amazing. So and you guys, here's the bottom line that we, we can say is, of course the Lord will support you when you follow mm-hmm. his plan. Yeah. You don't have to be fearful. Right. You won't go hungry. You had children for a reason so that you could live life with them. Well, and biblically train up your children, not other people's children, train and, up your children. 
And how can you do that when you take that verse, right, in the way they should go, when you rise up in the morning, when you yeah. walk along the way? Well, it's hard when your kids are away from you for eight plus hours a day. You can't go back to that verse and say, this is what we model. I'm sorry, you can't. Mm-hmm. Your child's teacher can say, they're training your children in the way they should go. But guess what? Not even that if it's public school. So. <laughs> and for those of you who have, you know, you know, the Bible's right next to you or Bible gateway or you're, you just love scripture. Yep. <laughs> you know, I would ask you just to reference Matthew 6, 24 through 34, where it pretty much recaps what we're trying to say here. Mm-hmm. And Matthew uh, 6, 24 says, so why do you worry about clothing? Mm. Actually, I'm going to jump up to 25. Okay. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds in the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon, really rich guy, in all his (laughs) glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Mm -hmm. God provides for us. Mm -hmm. When, When we obey a.k.a. raise our own children, yeah. he blesses. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, we don't, we don't have to live in fear. Fear is, a, fear is a tactic of the enemy, guys. So when it comes to your life's purpose, you know, what we recommend and what I tell people is there's only two things God has, has ever said uh, in terms of what your purpose on this planet is to be, and that's to know him and make him known. That is it. He does not say become a police officer. He does not say become a public school teacher. He does not say become a plumber. He says know me and make me known. What you do for income while you're here is really up to you, whatever that case might be. Do not tie income into your own your, your personal self-esteem or, or how you view yourself. Just do the thing necessary to make the money that you need for your family, whatever that is. And Flip the script. Go unconventional. If you're a parent who has a master's degree in education and you don't want to walk away from that, there's a lot of things you could do in the homeschool world that'll utilize your degree Amen. while you're Absolutely. teaching your children. Absolutely. You and know. it doesn't, you know what, it doesn't have to be the mom leaving her job necessarily. Right. I have a, a friend who they decided to pull their two boys in about, I don't know, age 10 or 11, something like that, pulled yeah. them home. Because the father was extremely convicted that his sons needed to be out of that system and he needed to take personal responsibility for them. And the wife was very supportive. And long story short, she kept her paid income. She went to work every day and Dave homeschooled those boys through high school graduation. They're amazing young men. And um, he's an amazing man. He's since gone home to be with the Lord a couple of years after they graduated. But he did fulfill his purpose as a dad. I love that. Our old neighbors, we used to, we didn't. I don't know if it's, we didn't know their name right off the bat or what it was when we first moved in, but we always called him stay at home dad because <laughs> he did. His wife worked and he stayed at home. I think mm-hmm. his name was Dave, but right. yep, stay at home dad. And it was really cool. The kids were really little. We, we used to go to the park, you know, just do all those things moms normally do, mm-hmm. but nope, stay at home dad always came with us yep. and did those things. And it's refreshing seeing dads who get it, who really understand that. Does anybody else have anything to add that 
find is critical, crucial before we wrap this up? Yeah. I just want to give you guys, we, we kind of put a bent towards a little bit more of maybe mom staying home versus dad staying home. Uh, this goes either way. Yep. Okay. There's, there's no law in the world that says dads have to stay in the workforce uh, while the moms educate the kids. If dad is better suited to educate the kids or has a uh, yearning in his heart, bring it dad home if yeah. at all possible. Learn as a couple how to build up your financial framework to buffet what you need to happen in your homeschool, whether that's starting a job or building a business, whatever that case might be. And lastly, I'm just going to hit on the business aspect. Some of you have may have been thinking, I would love to start a business or I already have a business or I'm doing Etsy or I'm, or I'm doing something. Great. You know, businesses are, I highly recommend them and they're so much easier to implement nowadays with the internet and everything that's out there in terms of tools and resources to start a business. We had mentioned risk a little bit earlier in the show uh, where the question was, isn't it risky to start a business? Mm -hmm. The answer is it's more risky to have a nine to five job. Amen. And why is that? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, because when you have a nine to five job, you literally have one client. That's your boss. Mm -hmm. That one client can fire you for no reason. Fire you because they don't like you. That one boss could make you crazy enough where you quit. That boss could shut down the company. Mm -hmm. The economy could shut down the company. Yeah. Whatever. You have no control over your income, mm -hmm. right? So when you have just one client, even in business or nine to five, the risk is extremely high. So when you go into a business for yourself, you are now diversifying your clients. Okay? You don't have just one boss. You now have many, you know, and when one client leaves, you fill that spot with another or maybe 10 others, whatever the case might be. You now have more freedom in terms of time. You have more freedom in terms of your income because realistically, there is no income cap as to what you do with your business or where your business takes you in the grand scheme of things. You know, there's stories upon stories of where people start out in a business and it just, here's a statistics you've probably heard of. 90% of all businesses fail within the first five <laughs> years. Okay. That's well, his you, radio voice. <laughs> if you dive deeper in that statistic, what you're going to find is 90% of new businesses don't necessarily fail. They actually skew into something else. For example, a gentleman who opens up a landscaping company. Okay. After five years, the gentleman finds he's getting a lot more calls for custom concrete work. Mm -hmm. instead of planting bushes. So he takes his landscaping businesses and he specializes in custom concrete. He segued into something a little bit more profitable in his niche. Okay. Same thing happens throughout business. So you could find different avenues or niches in what you already know. I've told my son Noah when he started uh, his journey into entrepreneurship, the best businesses to start is the service business where you're actually providing needs and services for people who either can't or don't want to. Mm. You'll find more profit in those businesses, whether it's, like I said, cutting grass, whether it's a home delivery service, whether it's house cleaning, whether it's babysitting children. And in some cases, you're going to find 
people want you to educate their kids because <laughs> you do it so well with mm-hmm. your own, you know? So business opportunities are always there and kind of just, if it's on your heart to start a business, look into it and see what the world can benefit from your skill set. That was so good. I am so glad for the opportunity to bring on my husband, Joel Tetzner. Babe. Babe, otherwise known as babe. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope, you know, we actually prayed right before this that all of us would have ears to hear just Joel's message because, you know, he speaks from truth. We, we walked it as a family. Mm-hmm. If you have any questions at all, feel that you want to talk with Joel, you want to talk with Tina or I, you can contact us at info yep. at homeschoolloft.com and send us a message of what's on your heart. We would love to hear from you. Friends, I hope your day is blessed. I hope that you know that you are more than enough. I hope you know that it doesn't take a lot of money to homeschool your children. Mm -hmm. I hope that you know that you are the best teacher for your children and you always will be. Have a great day.